right, hello everyone. This is Dr. Joel Rosen. Uh, as you guys know, I call myself the Adrenal Fatigue Recovery Ninja, but I am actually changing that recently to the, you know, we're doing Adrenal Fatigue Biohacks. Um, and that's why we're uh, doing this interview with Chuck Hazard today. This is our second interview with Chuck. Um, we did one about a year ago this time, and uh, Chuck works for Aura. He's earned his BA in, in computer science and mathematics from the University of Maine, where he also has his JD at their law school. Um, he's a graduate of the FDN program and is a licensed heart math provider, and he is a professional biohacker. So <laughs> I'm really excited, Chuck, to have you on the call to get an update on what's going on. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so Chuck, I, I told you earlier, I had gone for a walk this morning and I listened to our interview from, from last year. And so I have my notes of what I want to talk to you about. And one of the things you mentioned that's so great about the aura ring is the three buckets that you really talked about, which okay. was, so we'll just give a summary of that, which was basically the sleep bucket, um, the recovery bucket, and the movement or activity bucket. So maybe give us a little sort of primer or a recap on, on why Aura does that and what Aura, what Aura is actually. Right, right. So I'll, I'll start off by, with sleep. I mean, that's usually the, the, the primary one. As I've told many people in the past at conferences and whatnot, your day begins when you go to sleep, not when you wake up. Because that's the time when your body does all the, the cool things to ensure you're recovered. Uh, the problem is, and the reason why we're or is so focused on sleep, is uh, your body knows what to do. It knows how much time to spend in any, any frequency level, uh, you know, to make sure that you consolidate your memories from the day, uh, to clear your brain of, uh, you know, toxins uh, via the. Um, uh, I can't talk today, but anyway, you know, clear all the toxins out of your brain, and. Uh, the problem is, is that people uh, make lifestyle choices that interfere with that natural process. Uh, it's things like eating late, uh, rich food, uh, alcohol, uh, looking at blue screens while they're lying in bed, exercising late, you know, just being stressed in general. Uh, that can interfere with the natural processes. Uh, likewise, depending on when you go to sleep and wake up seven days a week, if you aren't consistent in that, that also interferes with the process because your body, uh, based on your chronotype, has a preferred bedtime and wake time. And if you go out with friends on weekends, they call it social jet lag for a problem, uh, for a reason. You, you just can't function properly because your body's confused over what it normally would expect to have happened and you've altered that. You've been out dancing under blue lights, whatever. Uh, so that's why we focus on sleep. And so with sleep, we give you a, a, you know, a score uh, based on numerous contributors um, that are tied to sleep performance, efficiency, things like that. Um, next, we have a readiness score, which is a recovery score. Uh, that also is based on several contributors, and that indicates uh, have you recovered completely from the previous day, yes or no. And it's you know, a zero to 100 score like sleep. Uh, I doubt anybody has ever gotten zero, uh, but it, it basically gives you an indication, are, you know, am I prepared for the day ahead of me? And you might make some choices about, well, I've got a podcast to do or in 20 patients to see today, 
I guess I won't exercise because if I do that, I'm definitely going to be drained. Um, and finally, we have an activity score. And this is based on a holistic view. It doesn't necessarily fit uh, into the, you know, athlete model, uh, you know, and go for it every day kind of model. But it's more of a holistic view. Are, are you exercising too much or too little and finding that sweet spot based on your, you know, everything else you're doing, like your sleep and readiness and all that stuff. And the activity goal is akin to what the U.S. government now says about 150 minutes per week, active minutes. Uh, but we actually provide a calorie goal uh, in how that translates into something that people can easily comprehend, which is walking. So for today, if you want to meet this goal, you would have to walk at, you know, this far. Uh, we may, you know, we will be tweaking all these things as we go along to make it even more uh, meaningful to the users of the ring. Um, but that's it in a nutshell. You know, it's really good. So to simplify, Chuck, basically it's a wearable device on your finger, which, yeah. you know, I think has, studies have shown, and you may have even mentioned this to me last interview, that um, the recidivity rate or just the dropout rate on other trackables um, makes the Aura ring so much more appealing. But on top of that, how, how it processes information uh, and, and data points every second, how, how much actual information goes in there right. from temperature to heart rate to heart rate variability to, to, to movement to re wakefulness and restfulness. Um, but, but ultimately what you just summed up was we have three major areas that we look at if you're not feeling good or you want to be able to feel better, as is the patients I work with, as you know, are, are burnt out, exhausted, mm -hmm. and, and looking for more information than, hey, like your blood tests look perfect, right? And right. even though they don't feel perfect. So, you know, we have a sleep score, uh, we have an activity score, we have a recovery score. So all are really important for, for anyone that wants right. to improve their, their energy levels. As far as sleep goes, um, maybe just some of the nuances that you can share with us based on your coaching and your own tracking and your, your lifestyle. What are some of the common sense stuff and not so common sense stuff that will improve those sleep scores? Right. So, uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but I do say it all the time. I don't think people should focus as much on sleep stages as a lot of the marketing says you should. Um, there's no science to support it. Uh, the science really is, you know, research, uh, science, sleep science is based on REM and non-REM. And sleep doctors focus on the breakdown of non-REM further. Um, as I said before, if you don't get in the way of your body, it'll do what it's supposed to do. And it, you know, there are no firm demarcations between awake time or light sleep and deep sleep. Your body doesn't care about that. Um, but anyway, so what, what I focus on is total sleep time, uh, good seven to nine hours, and that's of actual time sleeping. Um, I also look at consistency, and I'm really good about that uh, when I go to bed and when I wake up. Uh, and, and again, or it tells you that gives you a recommendation on optimal time to go to bed. And that's based on, uh, identifying your chronotype by when you get the highest scores. Uh, and then I also look at, um, like how fragmented my sleep is. Like, did I have a lot of awake times during the night? And that's usually a sign to me that something's going on. Like 
a tick bite, infection from a tick. Um, right. Because something's disturbing uh, my sleep. Um, it also could be environmental things like noise. You know, was there something going on in your neighborhood uh, or light? You know, light sources that were, aren't in your house normally, but, you know, some, somebody next door is doing work at night in their yard, whatever. Um, but those are the big, th the big things I look at is, you know, consistent time to go to bed and wake up, uh, the amount of sleep, and, you know, the fragmentation are big things. I don't focus on the, like, how many minutes of deep sleep did I get? I mean... So. Yeah, no, I would have to agree. Actually, Chuck, I, I, I look at my sleep score last night. I had two hours and 19 minutes of deep sleep, which yes. was 30% of my sleep. Um, and, and just sort of like, as you mentioned earlier, N equals one, knowing yourself, like not complicating the matter and say, okay, hey, I, I'm not feeling so great. Um, I'm under a little more stress. I have baseline of sleep scores. And am I deviating from them or not? As an example, yeah. I was in Jamaica last week for, for my 20th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, like my sleep score sucked. You know, right, it was, right. you know, and, and I look at it, well, maybe I went to bed a little bit later, maybe a little bit more alcohol. Yeah. Um, I was certainly eating a lot healthier foods. I wasn't gluttonous um, mm -hmm. and I was, I was doing activity levels, but I was going to bed a little later. Um, yeah. I think even the stress of knowing like, uh, I got work to do, even though I'm on vacation, kind of right. had a lot of restfulness going on. Um, right. And also um, just not having my wind down performance of taking my phone away, putting on my blue blockers, you know, all yeah. of that stuff contributed to a less efficient sleep. So yeah. uh, it's not just going to be straightforward in terms of, okay, you're on vacation, you're going to sleep better. You're not, you're not. I mean, you have to know these variables and to track right. it is to know it. So um, good, good insight on your part. I, I would add also the fact of getting your, like you mentioned last time, getting the cell phone out of your hands before bed, yes. um, you know, starting that process of, I really like that quote, your day begins when you go to sleep, not when you wake right. up. Um, so, so you mentioned though, and last time we didn't talk too much about it is the chronotype. So let's talk a little bit about that and how the aura ring um, and your data tracking and you're raising the antenna of what is going on with your body, how that works and what it is. What is the actual chronotype? Well, there, uh, I mean, I think I mentioned last time we were talking, uh, Michael Bruce's book, The Power of When, he identifies four chronotypes from his work with insomniacs, uh, the wolf, the bear, the dolphin, and the... Uh, what was the other one? Wolf, bear. Oh, uh, bear, bear, lions, lions, of course. And so just in a nutshell, the, the uh, wolves tend to be the people that like to work really late, but don't like to get up in the morning. And so they were like the, the, the people that watch over the village. You think of, you know, way back in time to make sure if somebody invaded, you know, they could fight them off or whatever. Then the, the lions take over. They're the people that like to get up really early in the morning and get most of their work done in the morning right off because they, they tend to fade in the afternoon. Um, a lot of executives of that <laughs> come from that bunch. The bears tend to be the worker bees uh, that do most of the work. They, they're pretty solid, high energy throughout the day. Uh, and he defines when you should eat depending on these chronotypes. And then the dolphins are the alarm system. They're the, the real light sleepers. Um, my wife's one of those. And they, if a stick broke, they would be the alarm system that would announce that somebody's invading. Uh, in fact, there are probably infinite types of chronotypes. It's like a, in your cells, you actually have uh, 
you know, cells that are like clocks almost. So there's clocking in each cell um, that defines your chronotype. And, and there's a lot of research on how do you identify somebody's chronotype from what's been discovered. And I think they got a Nobel Prize on this. Um, the first thing we did is what I already explained is we look at when you get the high, you know, the high sleep scores, how those correlate to when you went to bed. That's like the first, you know, uh, work on that that we've done. Uh, we're also going to start looking at, you know, like uh, temperature curves during the night from the sensors we have and to see how we can maybe use that to further enhance what somebody's chronotype is. Um, so this, this is work in progress. It'll take a lot of research and, and confirmation for sure. Um, but that, that's what we're looking at right now. And we won't get it exact, but we can probably get pretty close to it and help guide people through artificial intelligence, machine, machine learning, uh, you know, like look at when, when you should exercise that gives you the optimal sleep and recovery. Is another another way to do that. Uh, when you should eat, you know, we can get into those sorts of things based on the latest research. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's useful in a couple of ways. Number one, you know, the analogy I would use is people always ask me, what's the best diet? And, and I do believe that for me, and, mm -hmm. and I do believe that you can customize it to that person. Yes. But there still are some absolute truths that everyone should do. And it's kind of the same thing which you touched on last time is the three main things is total number of sleep. Like mm -hmm. we've been seeing that, hey, seven to nine is is that range where we would like to see you in, in bed. And the aura ring, as you've mentioned, has not just time in bed, but the actual amount of sleep. And, and we're right. saying seven to, to nine hours of actual sleep. Right. Um, obviously, between 12 and three is that peak time where you should have peak yeah. point. Yeah. So no matter what, you know, chronotype you are, that's an absolute truth. And then yeah. lastly is the consistency. Again, once again, no matter what sleep. So, so either way, if you determine what chronotype you are, my wife's a dolphin as well, um, that no matter, no matter what's unique to you, you want length, consistency, and, and peak performance no matter what, and then start to carve your, your life around yeah, that. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, wolves, dolphins, bears, lions, they, yeah, they, the midpoint of their sleep should be between 12 and 3. Because uh, you, you won't go through all the cycles of sleep that can be measured with an EEG if you are outside of that window. It just doesn't work. Right. Get, right. And yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, you might, you might get a lot of deep or non-REM sleep and no REM, depending on when. Most REM happens in the morning. So if you get up like at 2 a.m. to go running in the mountains with your friends, you know, you're probably not going to get a lot of REM sleep. Likewise, if you are partying and go to bed like at one o'clock, uh, you're not going to get, well, you may think you get deep sleep. It'll show up on most wearables, but you're just paralyzed until your liver starts dumping the toxins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, there's a dichotomy there in terms of you have to balance why you're doing all this biohacking mm -hmm. or data tracking. Like why? Like what's the big why? You want to improve. <laughs> like I want to feel better. I want right. to not be. You know, I, I don't want to be dragging. I don't want to be exhausted. I want to have more quality of life. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, you have that slippery slope of knowing too much yes. where that takes away from that too. 
at yeah, the end of the day. Yeah. We want to see certain trends, but there are some really great um, points, talking points in terms of what Aura's done with their algorithms mm -hmm. in terms of sleep. Like we look at how long it took, how efficient it was, mm -hmm. you know, what time you did it at, um, how long it took. Yeah. yeah. So um, maybe talk about some of the basics that have to happen for you to have a good quality sleep, like your resting heart rate, your temperature, yeah. uh, and things that can really mess that up no matter what chronotype yeah. you are. Right. So, I mean, the, the metrics that, I mean, just jump out at me when I look at somebody's data uh, on whether it was even possible for them to have good sleep or not is their heart rate. <laughs> and that's one thing we look at is when is your lowest heart rate? If it's in the beginning of the night, good. If it's in the second half of your sleep and you can see that it's like a ski slope, that means you were revved up. Again, it was the alcohol, late exercise, late meal, whatever, stress, blue light exposure. And so that's the first thing I look at. Um, but for to really healthy sleep, you know, starting out with when you go to bed, how long does it take for you to fall asleep? Now, one thing, a lot of people like to go to bed and read books and, you know, look at the, even if they have blue blockers in or red light tinting on their cell phone, uh, bed is for sleep only, right? I mean other things to be done too, but if you're, but you should not go to bed until you're committed to going to sleep. And if you fall asleep too quickly, like a really low latency, that means you're overtired. You're probably overexerting yourself. I mean, you're just exhausted. So you don't want to fall asleep too quickly, like fall asleep on the couch kind of thing. But you know, it shouldn't be 30 minutes to fall asleep. You should go to bed when you're finally committed to go to sleep. And likewise, most of the experts will say, if you wake up in the middle of the night, get out of bed. Like you, some people grab a book and start reading again before they get sleepy. No, get out of bed, go to a chair and read the book until you're sleepy again, then go back because you start associating the bed with being awake. And it's, that's insomniacs have that problem, right? So latency look at, you know, you already mentioned, you know, the time in bed, how much of it were you actually sleeping, which is efficiency. And you can use that number as a, a you know, instead of looking at how fragmented your sleep is, you want to have the efficiency as high as possible. That means you had very restful sleep. Um, and I'm not going through all the other contributors, but those, those are the big ones. Uh, you, you know, those, I mean, those are really important things for people to know because ultimately the circadian rhythm is what dictates you know many processes in your right. body from your immune system to your stress response to your detox pathways to your right. microbiome yeah everything else in between well, so, it's like your uh the the chart back you i mean it's it's the i mean it's like another layer above your dna right i mean all this bacteria your body's made up from they want to do things a certain way and then lifestyle and environmental factors screw them up. And then you start having disease states, you know. Absolutely. Well, that, well, that's what's so good about doing this type of information because once you start to raise the antenna of certain measuring points, you can change them. And, and, and mostly it's happening through lifestyle common sense stuff. Like, are right. you... Are you going to bed early enough? Are you, are you at the peak time? Do you do it consistently? Are you having something to eat before you go to bed? Yeah. And is that messing up with the time it takes for your heart rate to get lower? Right. Uh, you know, all of that stuff. And I would yeah. even say, you know, your day, your day begins when you go to sleep. 
Um, but that's contingent on the day before, right? Right, you know? right. Yeah, but I, and one thing before we, you know, we get done here, I want to make sure we mention, and we were talking about it before we started, is you know, with the OR app, there, you can put in notes and tags, and those have timestamps. And so looking at trends, what you can do on the phone or the web, you can actually on the phone right now, you can see the, the notes and tags in the trend views. But looking at trends is the most helpful thing I find when working with people because you can see, like, is there been a, if you look at it as a week view, week average, you can see, is their heart rate trending down or trending up? Is their HRV trending down or trending up? Sleep efficiency, all these things we've been talking about. You can look at the, the trends on those and you can see if, you know, if you're working with somebody and trying out different supplements or breathing exercise or whatever, you can see, is it helping or not helping? And, and that's right. the most powerful way to use the data is looking at the trends. Are you doing the, just curious from a mechanical point of view, are you looking at the trends through the cloud Aura app or through the Heads Up Health app? Uh, I'm, for the most part, the people that, that I work with, I'm looking, using the Aura team, so it's on the web. And, uh, you know, if I'm just looking at sleep stuff, if I want more data points, then I will, you know, use something like Heads Up uh, just so I can see, you know, other things like they may have, you know, nutritional issues and I can look at the timing when they ate, depending on the, the app. We got to improve that heads up. Doesn't have timestamps from food loggers, but uh, right. I know Dave's focused on fixing that. <laughs> so, okay. So just to, just to go summarize that. So when you, when someone has the aura ring, um, they automatically have a count in the cloud and then that database goes up there and then they have a team app for, for coaches yep. that can and, and put the different points of interest, like how much activity you've been doing, plus how much, you know, how, yeah. what's your resting heart rate. Yep. And so let me get it, your insight on that, which are really what the goals of mostly this call would be, is what are some of the deeper lying trends? Like you mentioned last time, when you looked at your insulin load, um, you noticed that the higher the load, the higher the heart rate, the, the mm -hmm. less efficient the scores are, the right. lower the load, the, the, the lower the heart rate, rate yeah. the more efficient your scores are. So what other trends have you noticed since then? I haven't, I haven't found any quite as strong as that. Um, you know, and, and I haven't had a lot of time to look for more. Uh, that was just, I, I just tripped across that one. I don't know how I <laughs> thought of comparing that to overnight heart rate, but um, I mean, I've mainly been looking at, uh, you know, trying to look at different timing, timing of different issues like sleep, uh, I mean, uh, food intake and alcohol to see how that affects sleep. And, and for, at least for me, from graphing it consistently, I can see that um, it almost doesn't matter how much I eat or how much alcohol I drink. If I stop at two hours before I go to sleep, I get really high scores within reason. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have to put a note on there for my blue blockers um mm -hmm. because i haven't been tracking that but i definitely know from going on vacation to not going on vacation even though you can't really control for being yeah. in a different bed um but that being said i know when i'm Homework. Yeah. And yeah. I like dark I'm not engineered yeah. over the millennia right. to have a fluorescent yeah. or whatever you yeah. ever light you want. Um, 
So I, I think that's a common sense one. And again, going back to even though there's really sophisticated biohackers out there, for the common person that's listening to this, you want the absolutes first and reminders yeah. to the very sophisticated biohacker. Yeah. You want the basics first. And, and that means, you know, circadian rhythm protection, making sure that when it's light out, you're getting that light. When it's dark out, you're protecting from yeah. being exposed to it. Um, obviously, you don't want to be sitting on your butt all day. You want to be moving around um, and being active. Um, also, you want to make sure that if you're pushing the pedal too far down, that you take a break and you, you, you allow for recovery. Right. Um, and then the certain nuances will start to play out after those basic things. Because I, you know, right. I talk to a lot of very sophisticated people who've had organic acid testing, genetic interpretations, and they're not fixing the issue. And then we, <laughs> lo and behold, we find out that they hate their job, their boss yeah. is an ass, excuse my language. Yeah. Um, they, they have a little workstation in their bed. Um, they're self-medicating. Yeah, <laughs> self-medicating. And, and sometimes we, we, I say we trip over dollars to save pennies when we're not looking at the main thing that needs to be to be addressed so right right yeah so so okay so as far as just maybe talk a little bit about readiness because i think that's that's obviously um a marker of if your sleep and your activity levels have been working in the right direction you'll see a corresponding readiness improvement so tell us what um aura has done with with readiness as a, as a marker, um, what it means, and potentially other ways that you see that level improve? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the good thing about all of our metrics, and in particular, the readiness, which will be the most, uh, the thing coming out uh, in the not too distant future, is we've always tracked nocturnal HRV, but it was never in the readiness score. And there were reasons for that, based on the science as it stood. Um, but you know, we, we look at you know, a lot of things, like even coaches traditionally looked at for athletes, you know, what was your resting heart rate? How was that trending? Um, your body temperature, if your body temperature deviates too much, uh, you shouldn't be working out, right? And I don't think any other wearable uses body temperature. Uh, we look at uh, your sleep score because that's important, like how well did you sleep in the recovery score? Uh, we look a little bit at, you know, your activity levels, you know, the, la the most recent day, and also like a rolling seven day average. Um, but like I said, we are in the future adding, you know, enhancing the readiness score by adding uh, the science backed way, HRV. Uh, and so that, uh, that really helps bolster it and improve the accuracy for individuals. It's already really solid, but this will further improve it. Um, yeah, so that, that's in a nutshell, but I, you know, I, I know a lot of people like my wife and, and I do it also is I, you know, we're both athletes and I rely on the readiness score to decide if I'm going to work out and how long it will be and how intense, given that I have to work the day, you know, during a weekday. So. Right. And, and everything we've talked up uh, until now will add to that readiness yes. score. So yeah. if you're achieving a lower heart rate, um, at a quicker time in the night, um, your readiness is, is going to go up. So right. um, as far as how does now the activity burn um, or any new trends um, contribute to the overall, not necessarily readiness, 
but the the um, the information that Aura is providing to you. So, for example, you mentioned the the trends, or you mentioned the the ability to do heart rate variability on demand, or yeah. even adding in these tags of "Hey, I felt this way or that way." Um, yeah. Tell us what the next generation looks like. Well, I for. think uh, you know I've I, I mentioned to you maybe recently was uh, or on this was one of the things we're looking at is continuing with the chronotype thing is trying to determine the optimal time for somebody to work out based on the chronotype. And again, we can look at from the activity graphs, how many met, met so metabolic equivalents, how intense those were in the activity graph. We can look at those and, and then compare that over time to, you know, how well you sleep and what your readiness score was. And so eventually we'll be able to zero in, on for you, not your, you know, somebody else, but for you, when you should work out. And the next step would be not only when you should work out, but how intense. <laughs> right. So, so like just in terms of the mechanics, you would find out like you would look at the peaks and valleys of the graphs and say, yep. okay, extrapolate based on, on this. Um, we, yeah. we, feel like you're best working out at this time or that time. Right. You just look at, you'd look at, a, you know, a sustained metabolic equivalence in the uh, medium and high intensity levels. Be pretty, pretty easy. And, and plus we have a lot of people are, you know, athletes and they don't have to be athletes, but most of the athletes are using sport watches and then importing it uh, through Apple health into aura. And, and as of recent uh, weeks, you can now import, workouts from Google Fit into Android phones to the Aura app. So we support it on oh. both platforms now. Gotcha. Okay, that's interesting. So, um, but then again, too, it comes down to no matter how much that fine line uh, and that, you know, that bell-shaped curve of too much information yeah. going on superseding common sense and, and absolutes, right? right? But that's, like, yeah, but that's why we're, you know, we've, built the foundation now it's a you know the next step is finding these strong correlations for you know the masses of the aura users and then fine-tuning them to the individual and so those will be more guidance like you see on the main screen of the app you know you had a great sleep you know we already showed that uh hey you know if you if you're planning to get any exercise today please do it in this window you know that sort of thing but so right. we're building in more insights into the user experience to help guide people based on their right. prototype and the data we're collecting overnight. Is there, is there any way, Chuck, because I mean, really, I feel like I've had the Aura Ring for a long time now, and I've worn it for a long time, and I don't feel like I've utilized the pieces of information as much as I possibly can. And what's really nice about that is, is as I learn it a little more and more at a, at a deeper level, I can go back and look at things um, and see things that I may not have known about. Is there any way or does Aura say, okay, hey, here's like your highest this over that time. Here's your lowest this over that time. Here's your average this over that time. Yeah, in the trends view, uh, we show you the baseline. Uh, and I don't, I like in the web, on the web dashboard, at least for teams, you can see you can select like I would look at seven days of data for the people on my dashboard and compare that to like the 90, 90 day baseline. Uh, the trends in the app, I don't, I think that just showed me, that might be 90 days also come and think of it. For any the trends trend. in the app, you could drag it out as long as you want. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm just looking now and there, the line is, uh, I guess the base of weekly. Yeah, like, I'll like look I, into that because I'm not qu quite sure for that, but um, yeah. I, like what I can do is I can, I can actually like, it shows like whatever you want to keep your time frame. So I can just drag the, the. Oh um, yeah, on the, the web you can. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but no, but the, the, an example of the insights is like this morning, I had a 96 readiness and it says, go strong. You slept very well and your readiness is strong. Nice going. Uh, that's like a really low level insight. I mean, in the future, we'll be able to say a little more than that. Right. Like, you know, you know, you slept well and you're really recovered, but if you are going to work out, work out in this window, that's right. an example. Oh, and that's good. It, yeah. I think you're yeah. seeing more and more of that, actually, that artificial intelligence. Right. Um, uh, you know, we see that now, as I was telling you about the genetic insights yeah. that we were, we're talking about where you, you see a homozygous snip in this area. Yeah. And then if this, then that, Right. And then, then, you know, you start to see things that you could see corollaries for. And I think right. as data gets more and more expansive, you'll see more and more of that. So right. uh, as far as any um, in terms of recovery index or any other um, data points we didn't talk about. Um, yeah, the, know, the re yeah, just real quick, the recovery index is what I mentioned already is when was your lowest heart rate during the night? And so that's what that index is, because it clearly shows consistently if it's too high when you go to sleep that you were naughty. <laughs> you made right. lifestyle choices that affected your ability to, because your body, as part of your biology, wants to settle down. When you go to sleep, it wants to settle down. It can't recover if your heart rate's, you know, 20, 30 points higher than your resting heart rate. So you do not want a ski slope. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because a lot of the clients I work with are taking bioidentical hormones and thyroid yes. replacement. And, you know, for sure, it's going to be impacting their 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 physiology, right? Their right. heart rate, their temperature, and that's going to impact their scores. Um, and a lot of the times, too, Chuck, like when I work with clients, I tell them it's not only I'm a golf pro and yeah. we're not just teaching you how to swing a club properly. Right. We're also teaching you how to unswing improperly the way that you've been doing for so long. And the analogy right. is such that you're doing all these things to help you feel better but ultimately they're making you worse and we got to figure out how we can yeah. do the things that you're making you better and keep them and how to remove the things that aren't and a lot of the times unfortunately it's from pharmaceutical stuff that right they've right well, i'll give you another example i was working with a, a top flight athlete uh, olympic athlete and he was number two ranked and he knew the number one guy had more skill but he was abusing his body and so he, he wanted to get as zipped up as he could on recovery and sleep and all that stuff. And he eventually was better than the number one guy, even though he had less skill. Yeah, I mean, that's great. That's what's really cool about this, too, is like you think of the Tom Brady's and, and the people like that, where they're looking at how to keep their peak performance um, at the highest level. And, and I think that's what's really cool about just the aura ring. Uh, but just in general, the athletes are always that one step ahead. Uh, and if right. we can extrapolate what they're doing to the common user that's exhausted and burnt out for, for my people, right. uh, ultimately, you're going to see 
performance improve for them too, which mm -hmm. is quality of life, which is what it's really right. all about. Right. So that's really cool. So as far as um, I, I, as we ended last time, I always like to ask about um, some of the things that um, you, you know, I know you said you were uh, an, an extreme or endurance athlete and you had been pushing your body too much. And there were, was a point where you couldn't get out of bed. Um, but now um, you're mentioned, like you also mentioned to me, you, you know, being heart math educated mm -hmm. and biofeedback and, and mm -hmm. so forth was a good tool for you. Um, any different tools or any suggestions that you would recommend for the exhausted, burnt out person um, besides heart math per se um, um, to be able to take their level or their performance out of the being bedridden into the increasing their quality of life? Well, I think they, they probably need to hire a coach <laughs> to get a handle on their training intensity. But um, I, I think, uh, you know, starting to use uh, breath exercises several times a day, whether it's meditating or mindfulness exercise or just straight breath exercises. Um, I mean, there, and there's several great books out too. I mean, the Oxy, Oxygen Advantages one. I mean, it really helps Wim Hof. I mean, these things can really help mitigate stress, like chronic stress. Uh, and it's all the same flow states, heart math. I mean, there's a lot of overlap in these things. But I think, uh, you know, learning how important uh, controlling your breath is, is huge. Yeah, I mean, listen, Chuck, so one of the things that I take a lot of flack for are people calling, you know, hey, there's no such thing as adrenal fatigue. And I, I'm like, that's the way we get you in the front door in terms of knowing that you're burnt out. But if you watch the 350 or so videos that I talk about, yeah. basically, I agree that the adrenals are just the window to your stress response. Um, but fundamentally, Chuck, what I tell them is you have a demand and supply problem. You mm -hmm. are not producing energy at the demand that you need to. Um, and your supply is lower than your demand. Uh, and that's a big problem. But fundamentally, what's going on from a cellular level based on that stress response is your cells are not breathing properly right. at the end right. of the day. Um, right. And that's where you have, you know, cancer as a metabolic disease. And that's how you have <laughs> this whole cellular respiration breakdown and fermentation of glucose and inefficient flexibility. And at the end of the day, what happens at the 30,000 view foot system level of yeah. breathing yeah. to control stress is happening at the cellular level as well, too. Right. And, right. and I think that's really what you're saying is, is that um, if you can get your cells to breathe better um, through through lifestyle changes and, and awareness um, mm -hmm. and at the 30,000 view foot breathe better, you know, when you have a stressor then that's all congruent and, and with each other. Is, is that correct? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, cool, Chuck. Listen, I, 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 you know, just before we got on the call, you were telling me about some of the challenges you were having. Yes, with yes. My, that's why my brain, I, my mouth and my brain aren't functioning today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what you were going to say earlier was when you have that deep REM sleep, um, you're able to have that lymphatic clearance. Yes, the lymphatic system, they call it in the brain. They weren't sure until probably only five years ago that we even had something in our brain. The basically your, your brain matter shrinks and it opens these gaps and the, this cerebral fluid just basically washes the toxins out of your brain. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's why it's so important for people that have that, you know, I call it that that slippery or almost like the the avalanche that if one thing's off, then a lot of things are off. And then right. if one thing's on, a lot of things are on. So if you're getting better sleep, obviously your body's recuperating and right. regenerating and recovering, but you're also detoxing, repairing, rebuilding, um, yeah. you know. And that's what I was saying earlier. If you get you, you, people get in the way of what their body wants to do, including their brain while they sleep, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, with people like you and me, hopefully we spread the word and we get, you know, we, that's what I always say. It's the best of the best and the worst of the worst, right? We're right. getting worse and worse with our environment, but we're getting better and better with our knowledge on how to, how to be able to make sure it, it, it's mitigated to the most amount for your body to heal. So yeah. anyways, Chuck, I really appreciate this. I guess hopefully we can meet in a year again. That's and right. Get the updates on uh, what's going on. And um, I really appreciate that. I mean, if people want to get in contact with you or what you do, is that something you would like them to know about or? Sure. Anybody has questions? at orring.com. Okay, awesome. All right, Chuck. Well, listen, I appreciate your time and I look forward to our next talk and between now and then, just keep healthy and uh, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> All right, thanks. <laughs> All right, thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism, and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen and we'll talk to you soon.